Welcome to the teaching ministry of Paseo del Rey Church in Chula Vista, California. We invite you to open up your Bibles as we join Heart of Faith Pastor Jin Lau for today's message. Good morning. That's an amazing worship. I really filled my emotional tank. I am ready to go home. It's enough for me to just be soaking in God's love. It's, I pray that if there's anything this morning that you would take with you, it's, it's just the assurance that God loves you, that the Father's love is so deep. It's amazing. And I pray that that's something that we would be able to experience, that we would be able to just be reminded of this morning as we look into God's Word. We are continuing our series in The Rebel and the Righteous. And um, we would be focusing on the aspect of lostness, of being lost. As we know, this is the emphasis of Jesus in his parable in Luke 15. It's all about being lost. And as I think about uh, lostness, I remember a story of a family who would trek to Chicago every Christmas. And they would uh, just to visit grandpa and grandma. And that particular Christmas that year, they decided to do their Christmas shopping in one of the big uh, suburban malls in Chicago. And in the midst of the frenzy, in the midst of excitement and, and fun, they, the father and the mother realized that their three-year-old Matthew is gone. And they were, they were stricken with terror and, and, and horror. And they re- remembered stories of how young children would be abducted. They would be taken to the, the restrooms and be changed so that they would look different and never to be seen again and that was just horrible for them to think and so they frantically searched for Matthew they split up and and the dad went to the parking lot and shouted at the top of his lungs Matthew Matthew and he felt like a fool but he didn't care he was just so desperate to find his three-year-old son and they reconvened just to be finding out that mom did not find Matthew grandma did not find Matthew they were so desperate. They were so, they were just looking for little Matthew. And a few moments later, Grandpa came. And with him in his hand is little Matthew. They were so ecstatic. They were so overjoyed. And they look at Matthew. Matthew was not traumatized. Matthew was not even crying at all. And so they were so curious. They said, where did you find Matthew? And Grandpa said, in the candy counter. And the candy counter. And he said, you should see him. His eyes were so wide. He, he's, he was just looking at all the different yummy options. His hands there at the back and just looking back and forth. Just enjoying every bit of what these candies would taste like. Matthew did not look lost. He did not feel lost. He was oblivious to the fact that he was in a phenomenal danger by doing so. And as I thought about that. I realize how in many ways we live in a candy counter culture today. Because many people are, they don't look lost. They don't feel lost. They certainly would not admit that they're lost, but they are. And many of us are lost today. And that's something that I would like for us to point out as we go through the story again that Jesus shared, the master storyteller who's also a teacher driving a point. And so in Luke 15, 
I'd like for us to redefine lostness looking at the parable. So if you would, please uh, open your Bibles. But as you are opening, I, Luke 15, he, he starts with sharing parable, three parables there. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and then the parable of the lost son. Now, Pastor Gary, at the start of the series, said that subtitles in our Bible can be misleading. It's not part of the original text anyway. And, and he said it's misleading because uh, it says the parable of the lost son, and it pertains to only one son. Now, I don't always disagree with Pastor Gary, and you know why. Uh, he, he is uh, he's my, my boss, and uh, he is my go-to guy. He knows everything. You ask him for the best donut in town, he knows where that is. <laughs> It's only probably one thing he doesn't know where the best tasting Brussels sprouts are in town. <laughs> but um, this time I might contend with him because uh, perhaps the reason why it says the parable of the lost son, just pointing out to one son, it's because there is a son that's more lost than the other. And for that, uh, I do agree that both are lost, but uh, we would like to look at that today. Uh, we would like to read the entire parable again, and I have asked Mary Lee to come up and... There it is. I'm lost. <laughs> awesome. We're going to stand together as we read God's Word. So this is Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, Give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up. And went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his fingers and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf. And kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, 
all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Amen. Please be seated. So Gary Bell taught us last Sunday that both sons, the younger and the elder, were both lost. The younger son was in pursuit of self-discovery in order for him to enjoy life and in order for him to find life. Self-discovery leads him to be lost. The elder brother who is obeying every command, on the other hand, is a moral conformist, but still he's lost. He's still outside of the father's heart, father's presence. He is an outsider in this sense because he was trying to find ways. Self-discovery, moral conformity, both are lost because there's only one way. And if it's not the right way, then it's lost. And I'd like for us to look at how we can find, how can we know we're lost here? Whether younger brother lostness or elder brother lostness. And we would see some characteristics of both. And then at the end, we'll try to find our way back into the father's heart, into his home. So younger brother lostness is characterized. I would just point out three highlights, and I'm sure there would be more. Uh, First of all, a a younger brother is characterized Uh, in his lostness by insensitivity. The younger son asked the father, give me my share now. And we have all heard that it's in essence saying, I want you dead. I just want your things. I don't care about you. And so the insensitivity there is so pronounced. He does not have any concern for his dad, nor for others. He does not concern himself if it would humiliate the family He was just concerned about himself, insensitivity. Perhaps that might be characteristic of of us at some point in our lives as well. A second characteristic of a younger brother lostness is irresponsibility. They tend to be wasteful in their resources, whether it's waste uh, resource in terms of time, in terms of money, or even their own talents, their giftedness, how God has made them, and they're not using it for others to benefit. They are just wasteful. After all, they are not concerned about others. A third characteristic would be spiritual apathy. Spiritual apathy, they're not interested about anything pertaining to, the, to God or to, uh, something, anything spiritual. Their goal is to party and to be happy. That's their goal in life. They just want to play. They just enjoy what the world offers them. The world is the real world. It's not what's, what comes after. This, the here and now is what's, more, what's the most important for them. And so they want to get the most out of it. And they don't want to miss out. They're not concerned about God. Or maybe they might be concerned about God for a Sunday maybe. They would go to church sometimes. But God is not top of their priority. They, they, God might be for the future. God might be something for... Not the here and now, definitely. God could be for the weak, and, and they feel like they're not weak or old. So, looking at this three here, insensitivity, irresponsibility, and spiritual apathy, 
I'd like for us to just assess, does this, does, does this represent us? Is there something in us, one, two, or all of them, that speaks of our life that somebody would point out to us, hey, maybe you ought to be thinking about others more. Hey, maybe you need to be more wise in your stewardship, not be irresponsible. Maybe you need to give God a chance here. Maybe you need to try to listen to what God has to say and direct your life. Maybe you are a younger brother. Maybe I am a younger brother. But as we think about this, younger brothers really are easier to, f- to find and their lostness is easier to, to de- uh, figure out. Because younger brothers, if they go on wild living, living, chances are they find themselves in pig pens. And pig pens today are not necessarily where the, the pigs are here in the U.S. It could be a place of darkness. It could be a place of, of mess where people are finding themselves broken. They, they don't have money, they're dirty, they're messy. They might be in rehab because they are just overcome by addiction. They, they might be going through a different kind of mess. So younger brothers are easier to, to spot because they are in pig pens. But elder brothers, do you know where they are? They're in places of worship. They're here. They could be in church, they could be in a synagogue, because they follow every command of God. And so it's harder to find, to see the lostness of elder brothers. And this is where I'd like to dwell more on. Uh, three characteristics, most of this are I, I, I gathered from Tim Keller, an author and uh, pastor in New York. So three characteristics I'd like to highlight. I'm sure, again, there are more. But first characteristic of an elder brother is fury, an intense anger. I'd like for us to take a look at what Mary, Mary Lee read to us in verse 28. When the older brother came back from the field, he, he learned about why there's music, where there's dancing, there's, there's celebration. In verse 28, what does it say here? The older brother became angry. Where's that coming from? And he refused to go in. And his words, you would see here, are dripping with resentment. How does he address his father? Even after the father went out to plead with him, he says, he answered his father, look, now I want you to imagine, just be creative here. How do you think this older brother expressed these words to the dad? Do you think he was smiling? Think he was gentle? Think about the facial expression of this brother. Look, right? He was Furious, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. The anger is just coming up. It's just exploding. Why? By the way, that's not the way to address a patriarch in the ancient Near East. You don't say, look. You don't say, hey. You call them by their title. You call him by, with much respect, you call him father. But he says, look, this is what I get for what I'm doing for you. After all these years, I've been slaving for you, yet you gave me, all you gave me was pizza and Diet Coke. (laughs) And it's not even a good pizza. It's a cheap $5 pizza for Pete's sake. The elder brothers, here's what the elder brothers think. They believe that if they live a good life, They get a good life. 
There's a formula in their minds. You do good, you get good. You do bad, just like my stupid brother. You do bad, you get bad. That's that's easy formula, right? Uh, it's biblical. It's you sow what you reap. But what he does not understand is there's something be beyond this formula of you go, do good, you get good. He thinks that after all these years of what he has done for the father, for the business, this is what he gets. And elder brothers are always angry. Now, if you believe in your heart of hearts that because you live a good life, because you have lived a moral life, because you are decent, that God owes you, you will always be angry. You know why? Because life will never go your way. And that's an elder brother lostness there. If there's anger, so much anger in your life, perhaps God is saying something else to us this morning. If there's so much anger and fury in us. A second lostness, a characteristic of lostness of an elder brother is duty without beauty. They, they work because they want to get. Again, the principle of uh, lost, I mean, uh, sowing what you reap. They focus on their, their ROI, their return of investment. This is what I am putting in. This is what I should be getting out. But look at this son. He does not put anything, but he gets the best, the price calf. After all these years, I've been slaving for you. Now, the greatest irony here is this son... Who does not think he's worthy? He comes back to his dad and says, make me one of your slaves. And what does the dad do? He turns him into a son back, gives him the robe, gives him the ring and the sandal. All expressions of acceptance. No, you will not be a hired slave. You will be my son. The irony here is that this son, the elder brother, who thinks he is a worthy son, is actually a slave. Because of his spiritual condition. I've been obeying you, but it's all grind. They do and follow commands, but it's all grind. It reminds me of a friend who grew up in the Philippines, where I also grew up. He, he was so skinny when he was a boy. His parents would keep on feeding him. And in fact, he, he disliked food so much, he would run away. And his parents would chase him to feed him. And he would try to eat just so they would stop bugging him. But right now, he has to run away from food. <laughs> no, right now, he would pay money in order to get food. Why? Because he delights just like all of us delight in eating good food. What's the difference there? There was duty there. And right now, he, he experiences the beauty. He delights in it. This is what elder brother does. They find God useful but gospel-centered believers they find god beautiful they experience the amazing beauty of god of of his love we were just singing that earlier Um, beautiful songs that pastor matt chose when all of a sudden i'm unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory and i realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. This is what 
gospel-centered believers experience. They, they don't care what they get from God. God is enough for them. At some point, they don't care how God answers their prayers. At some point, they don't care if God provides or God heals. They are just experiencing the, blo- the glory and the beauty of God. They worship God. They adore Him. It's not a grind. It's not that they have to drag themselves to church because they, they have to worship. They have to attend. They want to. They would want to worship God because they experience God's beauty. And they are drawn. They're compelled by God. Duty without beauty is what elder brothers experience. They're furious. And the third characteristic is moral superiority. Moral superiority. This, look at uh, how he answers in verse 30. When after saying and just bashing the father, all these years, this is what I get. And then in verse 30, he says, But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the calf for him. It's interesting that he would disassociate himself, not even calling him his brother. This son of yours. Isn't it interesting when somebody messes up, we tend to disassociate ourselves from that person, right? When a spouse says, hey, your son got an F in math. You should say, he's your son too, right? Elder brother, elder brothers, look down. On younger brothers with disdain, with contempt. They, the, younger, the elder brother hated this guy. He thinks that in his mind, I, I wouldn't do anything like that. Look at him. He's so messy. Look, look at him. He's so lazy. He's so irresponsible. He, he took and squandered to the prostitutes where he should not have done. Look at him right now. He's dirty. He's, he's smelly. He does not belong here. That's what elder brother thinks. And when we have an elder brother mindset and that kind of superiority, we will not see ourselves as part of a common community of sinners who need to be saved. Because we think we are better than them. And we're good enough for the father. That's why we can even talk to the father saying, you owe me because I've done this. The elder brother did not understand that the father is all about grace. It's, he's not all about, he's not about what the sons can give him. It's not a what about, he's not about, he's not after what the sons can do for him. He just wants them. He wants the sons to be with him, not what they can do for him. The elder brothers cannot fathom what grace means because you do good, you get good. Grace is not like that. You do bad, what do you get? You get good. Isn't that amazing? It does not come near our, our sense of justice. It does not come near our, our thought pattern here because you, this is what it's supposed to be. But God's thought pattern is so different. It's so, it's so amazing. You do bad, I still love you. You mess up, you're dirty, I welcome you in because I love you. 
This is what the elder brother did not understand. Church, if you're looking down at someone with disdain, if you compare yourself with others and you think, I, can't, I would never do something like that. If you compare yourself with them, there's a sign there of elder brother lostness. Because when our value and self-worth is based on how better we are than others, that really is a big sign of lostness there. If our self-image is based on the inferiority of others and our superiority. Now, I guess my height helps me not to look down on others. (laughs) But then again, I can look down on others in different ways. I can look down. Well, I'm looking down at you right now. (laughs) I can look down on them in different ways saying, I know more of the Bible. I've been to church more years than you are. I'm following God's commands. I'm, I'm observing the Sabbath while many people are partying and drinking. I am observing a biblical principles of stewardship. And so I invest whatever God gives me so that it yields better. But look at the others. They are spending it irresponsibly so, so that they spend on things that are not kingdom worthy. I can, I can look down on others. I am an elder brother. Jesus' point of the parable here is not to say that being a younger brother is better. No, not at all. He's not saying it's okay to squander. It's okay to spend uh, things on the prostitutes or just go on wild living. No. His point here is that both sons are lost. Both are relationally disconnected. Both are only after the father's things, not after the father's heart, not after the father himself. The younger brother is so overt in his expression of, I want your stuff. But the elder brother is so covert in that because it's the same thing. He's after the father's things. He got so mad because of the fattened calf being killed and served for, for the, the younger brother. I, you might have heard this, but a fattened calf is something they prepare for the most special occasion in the family. And it can feed about 75 to 100 people. So it's a big party that they can serve with that calf there. And he was so furious that it was served to this unworthy son. But maybe we are also after the father's things. Not really after the father's heart. Maybe we come to church. Maybe we pray. Maybe we follow and obey his commands. Because we're praying and we're hoping we can get something. Maybe we would like good health. Maybe we would like God to heal us. Maybe maybe we would like God to bless our children with a good future. Maybe that might be something we're after. But God in Christ through this parable is now saying, Stop. I want you to just come. There's so much more in me than what I can give you in the here and the now. So if we're lost, and I pray that you would find your lostness, today 
how do we find our way back? How do we find our way home? How do we find our way back into his arms, into the Father's heart? I'd like to suggest three here, maybe four. First is we need to realize the radical offer of the Father. Where's the radical offer here? Now, we, many of us who've been to church are quite familiar with how this story ends. But I, there's something I did not see before. And I love that about God's word. God's word is so alive. It's so vibrant. It speaks to our hearts no matter how many times we, we read through. This, there is a radical vulnerability of Jesus here. At the very end of the story, the story ends in a twist. Now, we, many of us, again, know how it ends. But there's really a twist here. Because first of all, the patriarch in, the near, uh, in ancient Near East, they're not supposed to go after the sons. They're supposed to stay where they are. They're in a place of dignity and respect. The sons are supposed to come to, to them, the patriarch. So just as the father is not supposed to run into the younger son who came back, he was not supposed to go out and plead with the elder brother at all. He could have just said, well, forget him. We don't like to spoil the party. This is the most important day of my life. My son is back. He's dead. Now he's alive. And if he doesn't want to come, well, it's his fault. It, it's his fault. Or, or he could have just drove him away as well. But he comes out and pleads with him. Now, who, who does the younger son represent in this story? Remember, there were two groups of people at the start of Luke 15. The younger brother represents the tax collectors and the sinners, remember? The elder brother represents who? The Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Who does the father represent here? God. Obviously, it's God. This is what Jesus is trying to point. Now, Jesus, in the parable, in the person of the father, comes out to plead with the elder brother. Who does the elder brother represent again? The Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Who are these in the life, in the life of Jesus then? These are his enemies, aren't they? These are the very people who would kill him. And what does he say to them? You wily whistles, you snakes. He does not say any of this. Look at how he says and address them in the parable. He says, my son, my son, you are always with me. In the Greek, it literally says, my child. It's a tender address for somebody so close to his heart. My son, I know you have been working so hard to earn my love, my approval. But you don't need to do this. I love you already. I love you already. Just come. Just come and celebrate with us. And he, the elder brother, chooses not to. He chooses to stick with his own thinking. No. I will not get in there so long as this son of yours is there. If he is in, then I am out. Being a good elder brother does not make you closer to God, my dear friends. In fact, 
it's interesting here. The younger brother, the bad boy, was saved. But the elder brother, at the very end of the story, because he was so good, he was lost. It's not in spite of his goodness that he's lost. It's because of his goodness that he is outside of the father's will, of the father's heart. And so here's a second suggestion I have for us to find our way home. It's to recognize your lostness. His, recognize your lostness. Jesus' point of the story is to tell his hearers that both of them, yes, the younger son, he came back to his senses and therefore he was saved. He repented, therefore he was saved. But the, yep, the elder brother, he did not understand that he was lost just like three-year-old Matthew. And perhaps you've been an elder brother. All your life. You've been to church. You've been baptized. You have been doing everything a good Christian should do. But yet you look down on others with disdain. But you feel superior. Whether it's spiritual, moral, racial, cultural superiority. All these things are are expressions of elder brother lostness. In fact, some of us are even teaching God's word. But yet we... Be so lost. And if this is you, I want to echo the Lord's plea here. Stop. Just just come. Just come to me. Just soak yourself in my love. Experience my grace for you. When I was writing this, I it was very hard. I wrote on my journal, I'm I'm so lost. And the reason for my lostness, as some of you know. Is because of my wife's health condition. You see, my wife was has been battling with cancer for six years now, and last January he, she was admitted to hospice. Then the doctor said that my beloved June only has between weeks and months to live, and that was very hard to hear. It's very hard to see my wife decline, not being able to get out of bed anymore not being able to eat we have to turn her every so often so she does not have a bed sore it's hard to see her not being able to respond or even open her eyes it's it's just horrible last Tuesday the nurse saw something and she called the doctor and they both agreed that this Something that the nurse saw was a sign of her time coming near. So that the doctor said, Jen, June might just have between hours and days. Although we have been preparing as a family, it's still very hard. And I've been crying a lot lately. And at that time, Tuesday, cried again, lost my strength. It's it's hard. There's a church forefather who who coined this as the dark night of the soul. I have dark nights of my soul, and I am letting. The darkness get darker in my life. 
I have been struggling with God. I believe in my heart of hearts that God is able to heal her. Why? Why would God not heal children? If he can make the lame walk, the blind to see, the dead back to life. Why can he not shrink the cancer? Some people would say, Jen, you're prepared by God for something bigger. You'd be a better person after this. I'd say, I don't like to be a better person. I'm, I don't like to be prepared for something else. I want my June. <laughs> I want June. This darkness has caused me to lose sight of who God is. This darkness has caused me to sing that song that we sang earlier when all of a sudden I'm unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. And I don't realize how beautiful God is anymore. And I have not experienced how great his affections are for me. In fact, I must confess, I've stopped reading the Bible. I would read it only because of my responsibilities as a father and as a pastor. But I have not heard from God for many, many days. Until I realize that I am so lost. And I don't like to be there. I don't like to keep crying. If I keep crying, my eyes become puffed. I cannot see anymore. I have very little eyes. I, I knew I was lost because I was craving for Brussels sprouts with bacon. <laughs> I was so lost. I started to just seek God again. Read his word. Friday night, I did not know. Pastor Matt sent me an email that they attended a worship conference and said that they still have a ticket. Would I want to go? The following day, Saturday, I said, maybe. I got up. I took a shower. That felt good. I asked my mother-in-law if I can go out. She agreed. Went to attend the conference and just to... Let God's people speak again to this hardened heart. And then beginning to hear God speak that he is a good, good father. That he, that's what, who he is. And that I am loved. Because 
what's happening here, my dear friends, is a battle between my will and God's will. I want June to be healed. I don't understand why. But it's not my will. It is his will that needs to be done. Because I don't understand everything. But I still plead and ask God, God, heal June. It's good to see sunny days now. During June's admission, it's been gloomy and cloudy. And you know how many days there have been raining in San Diego. It's, I started to hate cloudy days and gloomy days. And I just long for the sun to be out. I'm good right now. It's by God's grace I'm standing here. It's by God's grace we see the sun. It's by God's grace that God is starting to illuminate my darkness. And I'm slowly finding my way back to him. And I'm only able to do that because I recognize my lostness. That I need him more than any time in my life. More than anyone else, I need him. And he is loving me through his people, through all of you. Perhaps you also have a dark night in your soul. Perhaps you are going through something yourself perhaps you're struggling as an elder brother or as a younger brother who've been rebellious all these years i want to encourage you god is calling us that song we sang you're a good good father he calls us deeper still to love love and love he's a good father and i ask if you are lost that you would find your way back to him that he, that you would recognize a need for a shepherd, a guide, and a father who loves you so dearly. But the younger son, we need to do something. We need to repent. That's a third suggestion I have, which is something very familiar for many of us. But what does repentance mean? What does it mean? It, does mean, it's, it means more than just saying sorry, Lord. It means turning around. It's like walking down the street, and halfway down the street, you realize you're on the wrong way. Do you keep going? No. You stop. You turn back to go to the right direction. That's what repentance means. Lord, I repent of wanting my will to be done. And I want yours to be done as hard as it is. And that's the only time God can illuminate my heart, can, can lighten the load for me. And let me find my way back into his presence again to, to get out of my lostness. Am I over my agony? No. My crying days are not over. I still don't know when. And I'm waiting for something I don't ever want to happen. But I want to be back in God's arms. I pray that we will come to our senses just like the younger brother. He looked at himself. He realized what a mess he has been. And I was, I was there in a mess, in the darkness. I came back to my senses. God, I want you 
I started to read God's word again. Let it speak to my heart. I started reading Francis Chan's crazy love. Just letting it soak into my darkened heart and heart. The fourth one is to run back into his arms. To embrace him for who he is. That he is good. Even though it still looks dark. He is good. For some of you who do not know Jesus, I would encourage you. Look into John 14, 6. He is, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. What does that mean? He's the only way. There's no other way. He's not being just proudly exclusive. He's just citing a fact. There's just no other way. There are no other ways to God. As many people think that there are many ways to God. No, this is the only way. Jesus is the only way. And that's what he's saying. I'm the way. I'm the truth. You don't need WikiLeaks to know who's selling the truth. This is as plain as it can be. Jesus is saying, I am the truth. The Bible says your words are true. Your words are truth, right? But then in, in Matthew, in the Sermon of the Mount, he says, You have heard it said, but I say to you. What does he mean by that? He's saying, I am the truth. You have heard it say, Thou shalt not murder. But I say, Jesus is saying, I am the truth. He is the incarnate word of God. In the beginning was the word and the word became flesh. That's Jesus. I am the life. Apart from him, you know what? There's no other life. Apart from Jesus, there is just no life. You might think, well, what about those who don't know Jesus? They are still living. I said, they are existing, but they might not have life in him. Because apart from him, there is just no other. So if you don't know Jesus, I ask you. Receive him into your life. Experience his love. Accept his offer. Realize his radical offer of forgiveness and love and, and just reconciliation back to him. That is how radical his offer is. We have messed up big time. We are infinitely lost. But here's the truth. We are also infinitely loved. The radical offer of God is, Come, my son. My daughter, come and celebrate because this son of, this brother of yours, my son is dead, is now alive again. This is what he's inviting us all to. Come, come, celebrate with me. Turn your mourning into dancing. Celebrate worship. I pray that you would because he alone, he alone. Is the one who can rescue. Lord God, thank you for this time to look into your word. Just, I pray that you would continue to convict our hearts to understand our lostness. I pray, Father God, that if anyone's here who does not know you, I pray, Father God, that he or she would come to humbly acknowledge the need for a Savior and for all of us who are so lost, Father God, that we would find our way back into your arms. 
and experience your amazing love. Thank you, Lord, that you are a good, good father. And you alone, the one, you are the only one who can rescue. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.